with our romantic partner, if we have one, it's a really loving, healthy relationship. We don't own that person. So money is the same thing. It's not our possession. It's a love relationship that we can have that when we have this very spiritual, loving, grateful, love, honor, and cherished relationship with it, it's this beautiful dance we can be in that can really create a really beautiful life, like a really beautiful love relationship can create for our life. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I am pleased to have Christina Wise as my guest. She has made it her life's work to master money. She's a self-made multi-millionaire with the equivalent of at least two PhDs of intense study with some of the business world's most sage and seasoned mentors. Her training and experience has built proven systems that work in both good and challenging times. After nearly losing her life in 2013 and spending almost half a million dollars to recover, her mission is how to inspire others to build extraordinary wealth and optimal health. Named one of the 100 most influential real estate leaders in the country, she's been featured in USA Today and recognized by Apple and Evernote for her creative leadership with emerging technologies. Christina is an international speaker and award-winning author of the Amazon bestseller, Falling for Money, a romance novel for your bank account. She may wear athletic clothes and a baseball cap for almost any occasion, but don't let that fool you. Financial freedom means the freedom to choose. Christina chooses to show up in a baseball cap instead of a Lamborghini, even though she could choose a ladder. Christina, how are you this morning? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, after I, I was reading this bio out loud, you know, I have to take a little bit of a dive into, into some of your story. I mean, I'd love to have, get more information as to how you became a money coach, but more importantly, like... You were on your deathbed. That's, that's, that's outstanding information that I want to know about. Like, tell us more about that. You know, life is such a journey, isn't it? I just feel so lucky that I've had these life experiences that have woken me up. <laughs> and I've done all these personality profiles. And one that I did recently, it's called Human Design. I don't know a lot about it, but, you know, I just kind of, for the fun of it. But one of my attributes, I guess, in this design that really spoke to me as opposed to all these other personality profiles that I've taken is that there's a name for it. It doesn't matter, but the, it says that this type of person learns through trial and error. Like the way they wake up is through experiencing pain and through that pain, it then becomes new awareness. And then, uh, so it's just so right on. So to kind of answer both those questions and hopefully a very quick story is that I found myself, how I became interested in money is that in my early 30s, you know, we kind of wake up one day and find ourselves in a life situation. And I found myself in this life situation of being divorced, a single mom of two babies. My income had blown up because I kind of spent all my time in divorce, fighting over things that money buy, like assets and stupid things. And so it just became an ugly divorce. I found myself with $150,000 of debt and tax liens. And this was 20, how many years ago? Almost 20 years ago. And I 
and that was a lot of money back then, but basically I found myself in existential despair, financial despair, where I could not feed my children. I had to have colleagues and peers at work that helped helped us. I mean, they paid our rent for six months. They paid utilities. They brought towels. They bought blankets. They brought leftover furniture. And I thought I kept my personal life very personal. I didn't even know that anybody knew what was going on. And so the beautiful thing about that story is that one, I guess a few things. One, I found myself in existential despair that caused me to wake up because I felt so ashamed that I couldn't feed my children. I felt so horrible as a human being and so guilty and disgusted with who am I to be a mother that has to take charity to put food on the table. So it was beautiful because the colleagues at work helped out. But for me, I had to accept the charity to put food on the table, to turn the lights on. And so, you know, it's kind of both those things happen. And we were so lucky that we had that network. I just don't even know what I would have done otherwise. And so I, I, I was luckier than most that find themselves in this situation. But what that pivotal moment created for me is I'm breaking down in front of my children and they're crying on top of me like, mommy, mommy, what's wrong? What's wrong? Is I'm completely breaking apart. Is it inspired me to learn about this thing called money? Because I was in real estate. I was top in the city. I was making good amounts of money. So it's this head scratcher of how did I make all that money? And I'm sitting here dead broke, can't feed my effing children. And I don't even know what to do next. And I have all this debt on top of me, overwhelm. So I thought that if there's, if there's a way, I have the will. <laughs> so I just made it my personal mission to study money, that some people had wealth and other people didn't. And it, and it was busting this first myth that I think is the, is the, is the most dangerous myth that we, is kind of this common belief is that if I make enough money, all my money problems go away. So everything's focused, all the conversations are focused on making more money. How do we build a bigger business? How do we create more zeros? What do we do on a side hustle? It's all about making more money. And the truth is wealth is different than making money. Money's just income. Wealth is net worth, it's assets, it's passive income. And wealthy people think about money very differently than people focused on just making high incomes. And that was the first thing that I learned. So personally, I just went on to make it my life mission to get good at money because I never wanted to be in that situation again. So publicly, I built big businesses. I became well-known in my town and nationally from my industry is this, you know, won all these awards and accolades as a businesswoman, multi-million dollar businesses. But what people did, that's where I got all the recognition. What people didn't see, therefore no accolades, and I wasn't looking for them, was this, this personal discovery and learning and uh, knowledge accumulation of working with some of the brightest mentors when it came to wealth on the side. So I was building my personal wealth, but personal wealth is invisible. When you have wealth, you're not buying the Lamborghinis. People that buy the Lamborghinis usually are those that don't have the wealth. Sometimes you do have so much more wealth that, you know, those just become fun toys, but usually that's not the case. Um, but it, it doesn't mean Lamborghinis mean wealth, which is kind of that that um, assumption. But the thing is, is I went on, built wealth, and then I got really sick. What I learned, that was my second wake-up call. My first wake-up call was there's more to this money game than meets the eye, and I wanted to master it. The second wake-up call was I traded my health for wealth. It all became the wealth, money and wealth game. 
because I really thought I'd never want to be in that money situation again. I just burnt the candle at both ends. I ran marathons, typical type A, driven, adrenaline junkie, tried to be perfect at everything and never stopped. And my body broke down. So that was that next lesson on my deathbed. It's like, oh, if I just think in terms of money, my body's my number one asset. My body doesn't work. My business started breaking down. Uh, my income stopped. All these things, everything started breaking down because I, as the asset in my business, I, as the one, the asset to enjoy life, I just had this awakening like, oh my God, my biggest and best investment is me. And then that became kind of this awareness there that I can't trade my health to wealth. And I was the typical person. We've heard it before. Then I had to use all my wealth to get my health back. And it became a multi-year journey. And ultimately, I mean, at least a million or so in cash over the few years, let alone other things, just to save my life. And, And so that became that physical journey. But that also then became the spiritual journey. Because many times when we lose our health or we hit another rock bottom, it's a big wake-up call for, for spiritual awareness. So that became this, this beautiful spiritual growth. And then that brought me to this place of this concept of spirituality and money. And the thing is, is I wouldn't be here today had I not been on that personal journey to have wealth. It was my wealth. It wasn't my business. It wasn't my income. It was my wealth, my cash, my liquid assets, other assets I could sell, the fact I had passive income I could live off of. It was that wealth that saved my life. So I wouldn't be here if I didn't, if I hadn't made such a personal commitment to be good at money. So ultimately, how did I get to be a money coach? I really find myself, I do do coaching really the way I describe myself as a money educator. I love to educate, to cause people, to help people wake up when it comes to money. We've been programmed like anything else, all this programming that we've been given that we have to kind of unprogram in our life, if it, in any category of life, we've all been programmed with money. And the common narrative out there is false. It will keep us in the hustle. It will keep us paycheck to paycheck, regardless of how much money we're making. It will keep us in the grind. It will keep us in fear. It will keep us in some type of financial anxiety for our entire lives until we decide that there's something more to the equation, that what meets the eye is probably false and there's different truths associated with money. So when I came out of that experience, I never thought prior to getting sick, if anybody said money, um, like Christina, you're going to be a wealth author and money author and a financial educator and coach, I'd been like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. It wasn't on my ambition at all. It wasn't in my story. But coming out of that experience, I just sat down and that book came out of me. My book came out of me. It was a muse. It just, I didn't intend to write a book. My book just came out of me. So it was with that, um, with that experience that I just kind of gave up to the higher power and said, all right, I'm here to do this work. I now want to teach what I've learned, what I've done, everything I teach of what I've done and built. I'm not teaching while I'm doing it. I'm teaching what I've already done while I'm still on the journey of learning more. Wow. Thank you for sharing your story. It's amazing. It's uh, after listening to you, it's amazing how our stories parallel one another. For me, you know, I've always had a unhealthy relationship with money and it started to really ruin how I woke up in the morning and how I perceived the day was going to go forward, you know, whether I needed to worry about this bill that was going to be paid or that bill that was going to be paid, you know, that was the constant like driving force of how I live my life every single day. And this wasn't even when I was in the job force. This was when I was actually as a student 
trying to make ends meet. And, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I'd, I'd love to talk to you about is if we needed to, as a younger person, really be exposed to the working force, or is it better off for us to be, you know, going through school and really uh, avoid, you know, worrying about, you know, having to be in the workforce. For me specifically, you know, my father and, and my family were both like, well, we need you, we want you to be really, do really well in school. And that was the, the priority for me to do well in school. But in my mind, I didn't have the concept of money. You know, I, I got student loans. I actually, you know, I got some money from my, my, my parents. And so it was like, I never really appreciated the value of money. And the real lesson that I had was when I was in med school and I was taking loans for my living expenses. And I got into this gambling habit and I started to really get into a spiral where that was my coping mechanism of all the stress that I was under. And um, I was also you know, facing loneliness because we were studying so much, we really didn't have a community that we were actually belonged to, like in college. And all of those stressors were causing me to deviate from school and wanted to seek something that was pleasurable where I was getting these dopamine hits. And that's where I turned to gambling. And gambling kicked my butt. I lost a crap load of money. Had to have dear old dad bail me out. And, and that was a lesson. And it wasn't that I didn't have the value of the dollar. It's just that I never really knew what it was like to go in and work really hard. I did have a summer job, but nothing that I needed to support myself with. And at that point on, I had a different perspective of money. I was like, I'm not going to be in a position where I'm going to be looking at for a handout or I'm going to be looking for loans. I'm going to be looking myself to, to, make, to make money and do whatever it takes. And when I was in residency, you know, I was, I was making, I don't know, $35,000 a year. And you know, you're working like 80 to 100 hours a week, which is really crazy, but that's what you got to do. And I was worried about bills. I was like, this is crazy. So what did I do? I started taking extra jobs. I actually, in my residency, I was actually an ER attending. So I was working in the emergency room, moonlighting in a hospital where I was the only man in the hospital at night. It was crazy to think about how I actually did that, but I did it because the money was good and, I, and it allowed me not to worry about money. And so at that point on, it was like, that was how I spawned to become the entrepreneur. You know, my first job after training was working for somebody else and he was telling me how I needed to work, who to be, and how to see patients. And I was like, no way, buddy. I didn't work this hard to do that. And so then I decided to jump into entrepreneurship. And at that point, I got the value of how difficult it is to make money, but I love the control of having the ability to work hard to make more or work less and, and just relax. And that's, that's kind of been how I've been able to do well and how I control that fear of, of having enough money or having too much. It's just my control and my relationship with money has changed so much. I, I don't want to bore too much of details, but it really it's, it's what I want to know is as people that live in the society, why do we have such a horrible time having such a positive relationship with money? Yeah. So there's so much, thank you for sharing that story. And I, I hear so much in that. And there's a few things I'd love to just uh, speak to if you're okay with it. Sure. Is one thing like one of the, the kind of the cultural way of thinking about money is we chase it. Like we're, we're, we're going to make it out there. Like, so we're doing a job or we're going out there. We, we go do something for the money and then we get paid for that. 
So in a more traditional sense, of course, we go to a job, if, even if the job is going to the hospital and we get paid by the hospital and we're going that and then we get paid. And then some jobs get paid more than other jobs based on the value or the perceived value of that job. So somebody who goes to a job as, I don't know, as a nurse per se in that hospital gets one payment for that job. And maybe the doctor does a different job based on the value. So they get paid something differently, but same concept, right? The only difference there is that it's really the pay amount based on the value of that. But it's still is that I'm going to work to do a job that's been more or less dictated to me as to what I do for exchange of what I get back for that. So that's, that's more just the traditional sense. Now, we can do that as entrepreneurs, too. It's really the mindset piece in there that you can actually go to a quote-unquote job and still have an entrepreneurial mindset, an entrepreneurial way of going about it, um, which I call an entrepreneur. But we'll leave that separate. But the idea, the beauty about being an entrepreneur outside of, let's say, some of the controls and freedoms is that, to me, it's, it can be such a spiritual expression of money in the sense that we're not going to chase the money to get a paycheck. A lot of people are in the chase, but it's by virtue of who we are and who we're becoming that we generate, we create, we manifest, like the true practical definition of manifestation. By virtue of the creation, what we're creating, putting out to the world, that creation then is helping people in a way that they want to give back in the terms of money to get what we have to offer. They're accepting our creation and they're paying for it in just that currency through that's how they receive it. And it's a really beautiful spiritual exchange. We just use this thing called currency. But even the word current means energy. That energy is in the exchange. We have a lot of energies. It's giving, receiving, giving, receiving, giving, receiving. So we get out of any type of narrative of money's bad or money's evil. If we take all the judgment away and we just look at it as this exchange of really beautiful energy that my creativity, my genius, the fact you went to med school, everything that you are, what you're becoming, your spiritual quest, your integrity, everything you are as a human by what you're doing to become the best version of diva with your specific talent and your specific purpose and your specific distinct uh, creations, that's what you put out in the world. And that, that, and the more that comes back to you, that's just such a beautiful creative financial energy and financial well-being is just as spiritual and healthy as any other type of relationship. So that's, that's like the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that there's no, that's what abundance really is. Meaning there's no, there's, there's no limit. It, it can be whatever we want it to be. And then the choice is ours. Another thing that you said in there that some of the work that I think is very important is that money can be very nebulous, meaning we know we make it, you know, we have bills, we make it, we pay our bills, but that's about as practical as it gets. Everything else is kind of this spiritual nebulous type thing. But the, in the practical piece of that, when we can make money more practical in the sense, yet philosophical at the same time, a very important question to ask for ourselves is how much money is enough? Because abundance means plenty. Abundance, I mean, we need to even have a distinction for what abundance is. So what abundance in the financial sense, if I say I want abundance of money, how much is that? It's a really good 
number to know and it's different for everyone but then we're out of once we know what what that number is from to us now we're out of the comparison game we're now out of the more game because if we don't know that number the answer to that question if i say how much money is enough it's like i don't know but more than i have now and that keeps us again in that quest of more and more and more and more and we never get to a state of abundance because we're always trying to to seek and fill that void if it's not here yet so abundance is I'm fully abundant now in this narrative of money of knowing just kind of the operational principles and some of the simple math. And I'm still in the journey of expansion as I'm creating more abundance. So abundance is a state of mind and it's a very practical sense of, all right, I'm in abundance mm -hmm. in all these different categories of life. So when we bring it on the inside and it's the inside out versus chasing out there and trying to bring it in like everything else, when we're out seeking approval and trying to make that fulfill some, some void of happiness, we know spiritually what that does. Again, money follows the exact same principles. Money is no exception. It's, it's completely in line with all the other spiritual principles that we study. So when it's inside out, it's all the works here. And then we're not we're not wearing the labels. We're not buying the things to get some type of recognition that says we're good enough because I have a certain label on my clothing, on my cars, on my watches. There's nothing wrong with having those things, but if it's having it for the love of, for the meaning of, for the connection of what's important to me, because I love them, you know, some people I work with, like they love the mechanism of watches and how they're just so engineered and the brilliance of it. So they're not wearing a specific watch to say, hey, look at me. They're wearing a watch because they actually love the mechanics of that watch and all it has to do. And it brings them this inner joy that if nobody ever knew what the label on that watch was, they would be equally as happy. So it's just kind of re, you know, reworking these things where there's no guilt or shame or anything or judgment attached to it. It's a very meaningful spiritual relationship. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical eBooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. So to answer kind of the other part of your question is that our relationships have been programmed. If we grew up in a dysfunctional relationship and a dysfunctional family, let's say, where we don't have any type of role model for what a healthy relationship is, and we've never done any study of what a healthy, like romantic relationship is, how do we know, where would we gain the knowledge and tools and skills to try to not duplicate what we grew up with? 
mm-hmm. all that programming. So money is very similar. We are so programmed. We all know we're programmed as human beings by the time we're like seven to nine. So whatever we heard as children, whatever we heard is our kind of the culture and all the families we went to are different. That's what we still hold with us until we do that work in the financial sense. And my point there is that, you know, I work with entrepreneurs and that's, that's, you know, who I work with most and, and most of we're all in this kind of spiritual journey and, and becoming better humans. And it's like, we have this belief that if I fix all these other areas of my life, then money is just automatically going to fix itself. It's like, no money is one of those things we've been programmed to. And it requires that type of, it requires some work for most of us. It requires work to deconstruct and unprogram what those deep subconscious beliefs are. And it requires knowledge because money's a skill. How well, how good we are at business, we learn a lot about business. We go to masterminds, we get business coaches, we do these things, and we can be we can become more skillful businessmen and businesswomen. A lot of it's trial and error, a lot of it is these different pieces, but ultimately we're the better we are at business and business people, the more money we make. It's it's business savvy, it's business skill. Financial skills, very similar. Now, here's the thing with business. It's funny with entrepreneurs, again, so often, it's like, this is my creativity and my work, but business is money. How you quantify or how you know you're good at business, ultimately, not at making money, but at business, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, is all attached to profitability. So as a business person, sometimes we have two hats as an entrepreneur. We have the hat as the creator, the hat as the talent, is kind of the knowledge of what the creator that I just you know talked about. So that's one hat. When we're in the creation, when we're in the fulfillment, when we're offering the services, when we're doing whatever we do as the talent, as the person in our business, that's one hat. Sometimes when I'm coaching or educating, I'm wearing that hat. But when I'm outside of that, I'm taking that hat off. I'm getting my businesswoman hat over here as a skilled, savvy businesswoman. I'm making business decisions as a business. And then I'm looking at things. Okay, what are the different offers of the business? What are the different revenue streams? What are my expenses? What are my different margins? What are my, you know, what's my gross profit? What's my net profit? How do I want to grow my profit? The only way to grow profit, which is where we pay ourselves and what we take home, well, I can only minimize expenses or, or create more revenue. And how much money is enough that I take from profit that's going to move over here to my household, which is where I spend my money on my lifestyle. So there's these different categories, but ultimately, business is the game of money. Ultimately, this, it's, the, it's the game. It's, it's that piece, but it's how well we understand money ultimately is how much money we make in our business we earn, we create. And a lot of people, entrepreneurs actually are great at making money, but they're not great at having money. I mean, in the sense that ultimately they're still in that grind and they're, they're not having a lot of money. And so that brings, there's like these three parts of money that are very important to know. These three different master categories, if you will. The first one is the game of making money. That's like top line. And that's as an entrepreneur, if our business brings in half a million dollars, a million dollars a year, 5 million, 10 million, whatever the number. And it's, you know, the more zeros on top requires more effort. It requires more risk. It requires more knowledge typically, but that's top line. That's just in the making money. The having money is different. Having money is how much ultimately does my business have left over after everything for me. And that's called profit. And that's having money as a business owner entrepreneur. So now 
some entrepreneurs, I see books and let's say they make a million dollars, have a million dollar top line, but what are they paying themselves profit? Well, they have a hundred thousand dollars profit. So ultimately they have a hundred thousand dollars to spend. So that's not really great math as a business owner. That's where we want to go and say, those margins aren't really working out because that's a lot of hustle to make a million to only keep a hundred. So that takes us back to the business side now. Like, what do I need to change over here? This isn't quite working right. I think, you know, my margins, I'd like at least a 35% margin that I'm making $350,000 for each million dollars. Um, the effort it's taken to create that. That means I need to probably go back and rework some of the business, put on that business hat and do that. But that's just kind of the making money. Now the having money is what do we do with the money we have? And the thing to understand under the having money category is um, one of the money principles that we don't understand is that if we now have 350 kind of left over in profit, that now we're going to pay ourselves that 350, we bring it over to our household. Now we need to run our household money financial system as a business. Now, if we spend all 350 on lifestyle every single year, month, or whatever, that means we're in the hustle. We have to go make that next 350 in the business and pay the bills here. And that's called the grind. That's called the hamster wheel. That's called the, the treadmill, all these words we've given it. And you can do that at 100,000 a year, 350 a year, a million a year. And that's that's that cycle that people, no matter how much money make, they get stuck. Why? Because there's something called Parkinson's law. And this is a financial law. And Parkinson's law says a couple things. Number one, it says expenses will always rise to match income. So what that means is if I'm taking 350 home from my business, I'm going to spend 350 if not $351, because culturally, subconsciously, that's the way money operates. It's a law at work. So it's happening without us even realizing it's happening to us. And then that's where people come and like, Christina, I am stuck. I'm stuck. Like, get me out of this grind. It's like, okay, we have to shift and rearrange things because the only way to get out of this grind and to have freedom where we don't have to go grind in the business to bring in the money this month is we have to have surplus. These The principle of margins still apply. So Parkinson's law says expenses will always rise to match income. And then kind of the backup to that says that what was what was once a luxury now becomes a necessity. So when we move from the Honda and while we were you know in um, residency and now we're to kind of the, the high-end Mercedes, we didn't keep the Honda when the income went up. We automatically just naturally went to the top end Mercedes and the top end of everything else. So see, that's called expense creep. Those, ex- those expenses called lifestyle creep and expense creep. The more money we make, so does the expenses. Mm. We're making 100, we're spending 100. If we're making 350, we're spending 350. And it's just happening naturally. And then what happens is that now we're really used to this lifestyle of $350,000, but our income changes and something goes down, we don't want to give up the Mercedes. We don't want to give up that luxurious lifestyle because now we feel entitled to it. And it's a social status. So now if I'd go back to a Honda, what would all my friends say? You know, so that's that trap that really gets, we can, we, again, we just find ourselves in. So the, the principle there is understanding that's a financial law at work that we don't want to fall victim to that subconsciously we will. And then the other thing is to understand that the only way to build wealth is not to spend all you have that a certain percentage, at least like a third of that, we don't want to spend on our current self. We spend that one third and we spend it to buy assets over here to build something called a net worth. And a net worth is wealth. 
how much income I might have a million dollar top line income that people have bragging rights around around, but they don't have a million dollars on their balance sheet as net worth. So that's that's a big thing. It's understanding that that takes time. And just to give just kind of some simple math as an example here is let's say that here's a few rules of thumb that it's just a, an easy way. I mean, it's not exact science. It's just rules of thumb to start getting some guidance as to how much money is enough. So for, let's say, every million dollars that we have in net worth of, of cash producing assets, that's about $50,000 of income. So if you're used to living $350,000 and you want that time freedom, meaning you don't have to go hustle in your work every day and you can not go to work that day if you don't want to, and you want your assets to replace that $350,000, how many millions do you have to have where those those millions now are going to produce that three fifty? dollars That's called freedom. That's financial independence and freedom. When our assets pay the three fifty, dollars so now we can choose to go to our business to create that fifty dollars or not. And it gives us, that's where that freedom comes in because our cash is coming from the assets. It's not coming from our body as the asset. And that's the thing. And the only way to do that is that we use compounding. So let's pretend that we say, hey, I have a $2 million gap. And over the next 20 years, I want to close that gap of $2 million. I want to have $2 million of net worth. So if we saved, if we just put in a compounding calculator, which is easy to do, and again, rough numbers, but about $2,800 a month, if we just took $2,800 a month, let's pretend we're investing that $2,800 a month for around, you know, just keep the math easy, like 10%, it's an average 10% for 20 years. After 20 years, that means we have worked hard for that $2,800 a month, we've saved it, invested it, for 20 years, we've been religious about it. We've never taken a month off. All of that hard work money would equal about $675,000 a year or, or over 20 years. That's 20 years of work of saving that money, but it's worth $2 million. So our hard work only produced $675,000. Where did the $1.3 million come from? Mm-hmm. That came from compounding. That was money making, money making, money because our money can work harder than we do. It works 365 days a year, seven days a week. Our bodies can't do that. So our money outperformed our hard work two to one. That's how you build wealth. That's why we're taking this over here to build freedom over the long term. So whether we know it or not, we're in the we're in the long game and a short game at the same time. We're taking care of that future self's $350,000 that's older and doesn't want to work this hard. And we're using the rest to live in our lifestyle and, you know, really hopefully spending our money on a life of meaning and what's important and meaningful and knowing these numbers. Now we can start to project out that 20 years, know how much money is enough. Now we reverse engineer all the way backwards and it can tell you how much money we need to make in our business. And it's very simple math. But once we do this work, now it's our roadmap. It's our map. And now we have a financial system that keeps us organized and very consistent And when we know these numbers, and now when we rework this relationship with money, that we love our money, we already know a spiritual law of money is that wherever we put our energy, it expands. Money is no exception. So when we have this very healthy, loving, grateful, appreciative, abundant relationship with our money, 
and we we treat it well and we respect it and we cherish it and we do these things with it, it just grows for us. Mm-hmm. And now we put more money out in the world. We put it over there. We're helping people. We're growing it. And now it's just building and growing, energizing. We stack. We do all these different techniques that we can learn. And then money becomes a non-issue. Now we're not in the chase anymore. We're just in the creation and with this very healthy relationship and following the laws, rules, and principles that we must follow. That if when we don't, we sabotage everything we just discussed. So money really is simple in the sense of it just requires some simple math. It requires some discipline. The final piece is like the spiritual piece. And this was a big wake up call for me when I lost all my money was um, kind of after all of this, kind of this third lesson that woke me up spiritually was I'd worked my entire life, done all these things, got very good at money. I built a $10 million net worth on my balance sheet and then poof out of some stupid decisions. It's, it's gone. And I'm stuck in this place of who am I without my money here? I thought I, I figured it all out. And I thought that I had, you know, was kind of some master guru and it was just mother you like saying, Hey girlfriend, you so do not understand this yet. It's almost like she had to say, Hey, I need to take this all away. So you can learn the true spiritual relationship with money is the money's not ours. We can't take it with us. We get to use it. We get to we can do all this magic with it while we're here, but the second we hold on to it or attach to it and we're afraid of losing it, then again, it's controlling us. It's not faith. It's not, it's not spiritual. It's an attachment. We know what we're attached to. It owns and controls us. So then here again, we're practicing this spiritual law of non-attachment with our money in the sense that I love it all here, but if it went away tomorrow, it doesn't change who I am. I can just go out and do it again, which requires spirituality as well as is the skill of it. So then, you know, so then it's like, all right, here we go again. Got that lesson loud and clear. And then it's getting to this relationship with money where we love it. It's like a romantic partner. With our romantic partner, if we have one, it's a really loving, healthy relationship. We don't own that person. They're not ours to possess. They're their own person. They're own it. Now we love them. We're grateful for them. We appreciate them. We are so appreciative of what the love that they give back to us. And when it's going both ways, they feel the love through action and we feel the love through action, but we don't possess them. They could go away tomorrow. And now if we're possessive, we're like, how dare you leave me? I, that's like an ownership mentality. Like hell, who are you to leave me? We were married or we were this or that, like you bad person. You, it's like, no, I don't possess anybody. Anybody gets to go do what they want. If they fall out of love with me, that's their that's their sovereign life. They shouldn't stay with me because of some of, of my attachment or possession. So money is the same thing. It's not our possession. It's a love relationship that we can have that when we have this very spiritual, loving, grateful, love, honor, and cherished relationship with it, it's this beautiful dance we can be in that can really create a really beautiful life. Mm-hmm. Like a really beautiful love relationship can create for our life. Totally agree. It's a lot to unpack there and so much really useful information. Thank you so much for, for sharing all that. You know, the only thing that I really wanted to add was, was how we frame this in our heads. And if we come from a place of abundance and really are truly grateful with what we have, then everything is going to be looked at as I have enough and not I don't have enough. And I, I personally learned that lesson on my own. And when you don't come from a place of abundance, then you fall into the model of this comparative model. You, you're, you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And then all of a sudden materialism and extrinsic items become the source of your happiness. 
And that's where the problem happens. And when I first started my practice, I was not really into the making of the money. I was really solely into looking out for the best interests of my patients. And, and money started to come in. And then when I was towards the end of my practice, I was having a different mindset. I was trying to do whatever I could to maintain the business. You know, it was more about how can I manipulate the business to fit my lifestyle versus what I needed to do to look out for my patients. And recently, you know, after I got sick and, and after um, I, I had the spiritual enlightenment um, over the last two years, my mindset has returned to being more of service to others instead of really worrying about money and extrinsic wealth and extrinsic uh, material wealth to make me happy. You know, it's all part of the, the, the growing process for myself of having enough self-love for myself and knowing that I have abundance. And that was a framework that I, that I shifted where things started to be um, easier for me and more things started to manifest for me. And I think that's the framework that I had. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's specifically applicable just for making money. It's really, I think it is, it's just a, a rule in life that I have now. You know, and you manifest and you feel like you have abundance and everything else is just going to come and everything else is just gravy because whatever you have is sufficient. Anything else on top of that that you accumulate is just is even better. And so that's kind of my mentality of how I, how I live my life and how I view about, about money. And um, I think also being of service to others, you know, it just, it just brings a different level of fulfillment. So I, I mean, I, you know, I do work with, you know, like a, those that are, let's say are in the more spiritual, like, let's say, I don't know, a, a spiritual guide or a yoga instructor or something like there's this real cognitive dissonance between if I am just being spiritual and acting in service, then I shouldn't be charging money for it. Like there's this real angst about receiving money and that it, it, it's, that breaks the law of reciprocity. Like, again, there's these spiritual laws it's give, receive. And if we're just giving, 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 and there's not the, you know, the, the gift back that received, then ultimately you just get tired and resentful. So, yeah. you know, it is it's both at the same time, you said something there that is really important too. And you nailed it. It's something I say a lot of the time. Like we're focused on what we don't have versus being very grateful for what we do. So with my students and clients, part of the work that we do is when we're you get very intimate with your money. Like like I said, my book is a romance novel with your money. You're getting very intimate with it, a very loving, intimate relationship, just like you would do with a romantic partner. If you have a romantic partner and you're not paying attention to him or her, and you're taking them for granted and you don't, you're not spending any time and you're not very affectionate or attentive or intimate. What do you think that partner's going to do? And then you get pissed off when they're in somebody else's bed and they're getting all the intimacy and love and attention and affection. Like, how dare you? You right. know, money's the same way is that part of the abundance, the attractive piece to it, like people are like, you know, just, just kind of law of attraction and just attract it. And man, that happens through action. It's through the act of the intimacy, that, that intimate relationship, connected relationship with it, meaning you're one with it. You spend time with it. You're, you can't be grateful if you're not in your money looking at it. So part of the exercises is with the work that we do is we get intimate with every dollar. And part of that is starting to every dollar coming in. If it's, let's say, a thousand dollars a month or a million dollars a month. Again, the amount is irrelevant. We get to all choose our own numbers of how much money is enough. 
to live a meaningful, healthy, fulfilled lifestyle because it costs to live a healthy, meaningful, fulfilled lifestyle. So whatever that number is, we look at being grateful for every dollar of that thousand dollars or every dollar of that million dollars and be saying, thank you. And we say thank you to ourselves, to our own bodies. The first thankful is to me, to, wow, Christina, look at this, your work, your service, your contribution, your get up, your resilience, your give a damn in the world, every, you as a creator, you as a lover of other human beings and wanting to help. Thanks to me for all of that that I've done for me that I'm able to give in a way that people find it so valuable that they're willing to pay me for it. That's the biggest sign of value. It's easy to take somebody else's free services. Mm-hmm. It's much harder when you pay for things. So the biggest sign for me, like to, to rewire the mindset versus I feel guilty to receive, it's the biggest honor to receive money because that means I impacted them so much that they were willing to pay mm. me. For it. I love that reframe. And it's like, holy cow, that's how valuable I am to the world that they're willing to open their hard, their hard work and open their wallet to take those dollar bills out to pay me for the offer that I gave to them. There's nothing more rewarding. That means I have helped at the highest level if people are willing to pay me for it, because then they just didn't take it. They valued it. Mm-hmm. Value. So now I get to say, thank you, Christina. And then it's thank you to the universe. And it's thank you for all. And it's thank you for the dollar itself. Thank you dollar for showing up. I'm so grateful for you. And I'm going to, out of respect and love for myself and out of you, the dollar and out of mo- the abundance and mother in the universe and everything, it all has to come in, in at once and all the digital magical stuff that happens for this dollar to land in my bank account. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you and I'm going to treat you well. So having that type of relationship changes everything. Now we're going to look at the way we spend, what we do. We want to know our numbers. We want to be in that because we have that loving, healthy, intimate relationship and deep appreciation through the act of, not through just saying, oh yeah, I'm grateful. That's amazing. I love that reframe because that actually helps me reframe my actions because when I do things you know, from a spiritual perspective, I actually do feel bad charging people. But then again, it's, it's how you reframe it. I shouldn't feel bad. I should be feeling grateful that money that I've spent and the actions that I've provided has impacted the person so much that they're giving me that money as a, as a token of their appreciation. So it's really all about the reframe. Yeah, how much money, if we just, again, take, in, take out, money has no charge. It is a complete neutral thing. It's just this it's just an artifact. It has no charge to accept the charge we give it. So to, but so if we take all the charge out and we just get very practical and don't answer the question, but just think about it, how much money have you spent during your lifetime so far from everything you've spent for you to be you, to be a doctor, to be the spiritual guide that you are, to everything so that's formed you and your specific knowledge and care and love and everything that you are as a human being, it didn't come for free. You've spent probably millions of dollars to be who you are, 
to be able to offer what you offer to help others. Like nobody just said, hey, let me give all this to you. So Diva for free, for free Diva. So you can go do your beautiful work in the world. You invested in yourself. You, all of that is an investment using this artifact called money as an investment in you. So you can be you that then goes out and people use their investment for them to be them and to be healthier, wiser, more spiritual, whatever. And they invest using this artifact called money to do so. That's that's how we exchange value in this 3D world. So when you just take it out, you're a multi-million dollar investment that that's now out to help others, that they're mm-hmm. going to put their multi-million dollar investments back in to become who they are. And then they do that to the next person. And that's this beautiful ripple effect of abundance of financial well-being. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, thank you. So Christina, it's been, this has been so much information that, that's impacted me personally, and I'm sure it has helped a lot of people who are listening to this podcast. I'm sure our listeners are going to want to reach out to find out more about you and the classes that you offer. How can they do so? You know, what I really, it's a starting place. I have my own podcast, so it's Wealthy Wealthy. And money, wealth, and then wealthy, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. So I have lots of these types of conversations on my podcast. I always invite people to listen there. And then I do a, uh, I have a, a free download for my book that's fallingformoney.com. And it's just a great place to, you know, if you want to breeze through a few things, I've got some of my wisdoms in there. And then I, I, for anybody interested, I have a money school. So this is what I do. I, like I said, I consider myself a, a teacher and educator when it comes to the spiritual mindset and the practical applicability for wealth creation uh, through through learning the the spiritual context and the practical application of money. So that's that's what I do. That's my gift to the world and how I get compensated for that. Well, thank you for sharing. We'll include all those in our show notes. And thank you again to taking out some time for uh, your busy schedule to join me on the podcast today. And and look forward to to seeing you soon. My pleasure. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Take care.